Welcome to the Red Diamond Report podcast with your host, Wilton Jackson. We have a very special athlete. I mean, when I say special, I mean very special. Uh, one of the greatest WNBA players that I've had the privilege of watching, and I'm sure that most of you have had the privilege of watching. Today we have Miss Candice Dupree, 2014 WNBA champion with the Phoenix Mercury, uh, seven-time WNBA All-Star. I mean, the list of accolades goes on. And so, Candice, I just really want to just say thank you for coming on to the show. Absolutely. Uh, I'm actually glad that you guys reached out. I love being a part of stuff like this and, you know, just helping the cause. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm not going to take too much of your time because, like I said, I know I know you're a busy person. And I just, like I said, I'm glad that you are, that you were able to join. And I want to just kind of dive in and ask this first question. Um, when, when thinking about, like, you know, what you've been able to do, you know, within your WNBA career and just everything in general, uh, who is Candace Dupree now at this point? You know, I mean, granted, we, we've seen what you've been able to do on the court, but who is she now? Uh, first and foremost, a mom. You know, I have four-year-old twin girls that I'm trying to get ready for kindergarten um, come August. And so they consume a good majority of my time, which is a good thing. Uh, we have a good time together. They're great kids. Um, after that, just working on the transition from playing to life after playing. So just exploring some different things. I'm a part of some different programs currently and people are still asking me, am I still gonna play? Not <laughs> sure, somebody might call and be like, hey, and I might be like, no, I'm good. <laughs> Enjoying the downtime for sure. Um, getting some much needed rest after 16 years, maybe like 12 of playing all year round. So just enjoying it. Right. I, I can only imagine like, you know, actually getting that, that hands-on time with them now. Uh, what's been some of the, the, you know, some of the best moments with them that now that you've had this much time with them? Um, I've got to experience a lot of firsts. I mean, like taking them to their first soccer practice and game, gymnastics. Um, their orientation was actually Wednesday for kindergarten. So taking them to their school and, you know, seeing the teachers and all that kind of stuff, what, what the school's going to look like. Um, but yeah, I mean, just maximizing my time with them since the first couple years, you know, I was still relatively playing all year round and had a lot of help from my family, but missed a lot of time with them. So just enjoying it while I can. Right. It's, it's interesting you say that because my parents often remind me, they'll tell me, well, you know, Wilton, um, I, I know you're out here trying to, you know, get your career together and do everything, but don't like, don't let life pass you by. Yeah. Absolutely. And that was my biggest thing. So I had no problem taking a step back with regard to playing um, in order to spend more time with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which makes perfect sense. Um, when you look over your life up until this point, what has been the most rewarding part of your journey? Uh, I think when it comes to basketball is just helping this next generation um, of player, whether it's on the court or just in life. You know, I had the opportunity, like I was just telling you this past week, um, to work with some guys that are seniors in college and they're trying to make it to the next level, whether it be G League, NBA, or even playing overseas. And so, you know, having the opportunity to work with them and them come to me like, hey, coach, you know, asking for advice or just even wanting like scouting reports, all that kind of stuff. So to see that, you know, these younger players are hungry and they're just trying to do whatever they need to do to get to this next level. Um, is pretty amazing and probably that's it for me it's just it's for me it's always been about that next generation or the younger kids 
um, and finding a way to, to mentor them, teach them, coach them, empower them, um, that kind of stuff. And we're going to dive into that a little bit more and more specifically on the WNBA side later on in the interview uh, in the podcast. But I want to ask this, what are you noticing in younger athletes now that say um, maybe weren't in some of the older athletes? Good or bad or both? <laughs> or both. That, that, that would be the better part. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the the talent and the skill level has increased a lot. I mean, you're seeing a lot more players that are a lot more athletic and taller and women that can dunk, that kind of thing. Um, I think the downside is they're lazy. You know, everything's been handed to them on a silver platter. It's all a, so they get to the league and like, there's this sense of entitlement. And once you get to the league, like nobody cares what you did in college. It's like, what can you do at this level? Exactly. So you see, and it, it, it starts with AAU and it works its way up. I mean, AAU, nobody cares about winning. It's about showcasing yourself. It's about money. And then you take that into college and now you have your name image likeness, which is good. I think, you know, payers should for sure get paid for that, but social media has a huge impact. And, you know, it, everybody, it's about perception of what other people see and view with regard to you. Whereas this, the previous generation, like social media wasn't there. They don't care. Like they did their job, they busted their ass in the gym. Um, so it's, it's definitely different these days. It's all, this is the, what's it called? Um, instant gratification generation yeah so it's interesting you say that because not even just in sports but you know talking to some of my mentors they'll often remind me and say wilton you know i can still appreciate you going after the things that you want to go after and putting in the work to do it because you know some people they don't necessarily have to put in the same level of work as you do yeah the transfer portal how easy it is now to just you know what i don't like it here i'm going to enter the transfer portal when i was in school don't get me wrong. There are certain situations where it's like, okay, it's probably best if you, if you find somewhere else to go, but like we sucked it up. Like it was what it was. You, you busted your butt to get better and to, to compete for your teammates, for your coaches, for yourself. Um, but these days, like you're talking, I've scouted players that have gone to four different universities in four years. Yep. And at some point you got to take a look at yourself. It can't be every school, every coach. It's, I mean, it's, it's easy. Right. Absolutely right. What what piece of advice would you give yourself uh, in your what piece of advice of what you've learned in life now would you give your younger self? Um, I think for me, like when I look back when I was younger, definitely be more assertive. I've always been very like laid back, go with the flow, um, coachable, which is a good thing. But I think just a little more assertive with regard to not letting people walk all over me, um, being a yes man. Like it took me years to learn how to say no to people in every aspect of my life. Um, so I think, you know, aside from being talented and very skilled and being really good at what I did, it was more like if I would have been a little more assertive or aggressive with the people around me, um, it probably would have served me a little better. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can see that. And it's, it's interesting, you know, even hearing your response after just explaining like how, younger athletes are it's like some will come in you know uber aggressive like hey put me in now i deserve the playing time now versus like 
hey, I'm going to take more of a relaxed role and, and, and work my way around some things. Yeah, because I've always been like the nice guy. Like I'm really good, but I've always taken like a backseat on most of the teams that I've played on when I probably shouldn't have because I knew how good I was and other people knew how good I was. But it was kind of like, ah, let me not rock the boat. Like, let me just be that person that, you know, stays in their lane, does their job, goes to the gym, works, and then goes home. So that would probably be the one thing that, you know, if I could have done differently, would have done. It would have been that. For sure. For sure. WNBA 26 season is about to start in a couple weeks. Uh, you know, you've played in it for 16 seasons. How different is the game now than it was when it, not necessarily when it first started, but from when you first entered the league? I think then it was probably like when I first came to the league, it was a lot more physical. Mm -hmm. You know, the league is super focused now on like freedom of movement mm -hmm. and all that. Like we didn't have like defense in three seconds. We didn't have, you know, there's been different things that have been implemented, you know, since I've been in the league. Um, so definitely more physical. Like I said, the players are getting more athletic. There's, it's almost like positionless basketball these right. days. So like everybody shoots the three, nobody shoots mid range anymore. It's layups and threes. Um, so you've seen the game change with that regard. As far as the league as a whole, um, obviously like the new collective bargaining agreement, you got more money for players. Um, when I came to the league, your first four years, your rookie contract, you had to have a roommate on the road. So now all of that has changed. Like there's no more roommates. The whole, you know, our accommodations are obviously a little nicer. Not that they were terrible, you know, when I first got to the league, but they're a lot better. Um, you know, they're just, they're just trying to do more for, for the players. You see a lot, a lot of more players now that are parents. So um, just trying to accommodate the moms in the league, um, with either nannies at the arenas or some type of play area, like all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely evolving. Oh, absolutely. How, how, how beneficial would you say some of those aspects have been for the athletes? Just, you know, uh, when looking at yourself and just looking at other athletes across the league, having these, uh, you know, additional benefits. I think for the players that have been around for a while, like it's, it's great. And that's all, it all comes with being a pioneer of the game. Like you think about like, dang, these players now have it easy. Like we didn't have all this, but it's all about growing the game and, and leaving your mark. And so, like I said, there's more moms. So they're trying to make sure like, okay, the moms get X amount of bedrooms for their apartment instead of just a one bedroom apartment. Like there's, there's so much that goes into it, but it's all been, you know, more beneficial to the players. So, you know, these, this next, group generation that's coming in i mean they have a lot there's a lot of positives you know coming into the league these days and of course it'll still continue to grow and things obviously can be changed and addressed and amended and, and all of that but i think they're they're in a good position right now absolutely and you kind of alluded to this in my next question um the level of play and like some of some of the ways that athletes are different now in the game in general Talk about, you know, some of the athletes that are, you know, coming into the league now that just entered the league and, you know, the WNBA draft within the last two weeks. Uh, what do you see in them, like, each year as more and more athletes come into the league? Like, what did you see specifically in this class? Um, shoot, this class, I think, like, the top three picks were all post players, which is, like, in the past, it's always guards. You know, your draft is usually always guard heavy, but I think now – you're seeing more and more bigs because of the positionless basketball that can do it all. 
And so why not have bigger players? Because it gives you advantages when you play against other teams. If you can be big at the two, three, and the four, and your players can do X, Y, Z compared to, you know, some of these these older players that, that can't do everything. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing that you're seeing. I think the downside is training camp just started this past Sunday and already like social media, it's like this person's out for the season because of injury. This person's out for the season. Like there's so much over training now. And I feel like these players, like they start so young. And when I started, like it was all about having fun. It wasn't like competitive from the day that you started playing basketball. And now it's so competitive people train nonstop at from such a young age that by the time they get to this level, it's like they're injury prone. So it'll be interesting to see how long some of these careers last um, being that they just got to the league as rookies and some of them are already out because of injury. Right. When I saw the news about Christian Williams, I, I felt for him. Yeah. Like it's like, and then you to go from college to tra- like training camps a grind, depending upon what team you're on and who you're playing for sometimes you're practicing twice a day. If it's a veteran team, obviously you're in the gym once, maybe like two, two and a half hours, but to go twice, like it's a lot. It's a heavy load on the body when you're not used to it or when you've just finished a long college season and now you're going straight into the WNBA and there's no downtime, that's when you tend to see more injuries. Right, absolutely, absolutely. Speaking of the draft, do you do you remember the moment and the, and the feelings of what it felt like when you were drafted? I do. I was super nervous. Um, I had no idea until like right before my pick that I was going to be drafted by Chicago. Like I spoke to the coach, the GM, all that kind of stuff. But it's like you go into it and you're like, well, I don't really know what to expect. I'm like sitting in the not the green room, but like I was one of the players I was invited to at the time. My draft was in Boston. Yeah. Um, to partake in all of that stuff. And you're kind of like, well, like you're sitting at the table with your family and coaches and all that stuff. And it was a great experience. I'm glad it was in Boston because my mom's from there. So her entire side of the family was able to come. But yeah, like nervous wreck. I didn't know, like Chicago was a brand new franchise. They're an expansion team mm-hmm. the year I was drafted. So I'm like, I'm going into it as their first ever draft pick with players just plucked from different teams around the league. And it's like, okay, now what? Like, you're just thrown into the fire. Like, it's not college anymore. Everything's not structured and planned out for you. Um, but it was good times. I mean, I'm glad I got to experience it with my family. Absolutely. I mean, I can only imagine, you know, going from, you know, stellar college basketball career into like, oh, my gosh, here it is. I'm getting thrown into WNBA, a place where I want it to be. But at the same time, it's like now it's, you know, I'm playing with a lot of other really, really great players. But – you know, you with of someone of your caliber, obviously getting that that All Star selection in your rookie season, I know that that had to mean a lot to you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I went into it not knowing what to expect on an expansion team. Um, most rookies don't come in right away starting, and so my draft class in particular, like it was like me, Simone Augustus, Kathy Pondexter, like all of us were starters on our teams that year. Right. And initially, I wasn't selected as an All Star; I was a replacement. So to even be like a rookie to be considered like, dang, like I'm playing well enough to even be <laughs> a placement on the all-star team. Right. Um, so it was cool. Like, I got to go to New York and you're around players like Lisa Leslie and Cheryl Swoops and Tina Thompson, like all the Don Staley. You're around all of them as a rookie. And it's just like, damn, 
Like I'm really here with like the top players in the league. Ever. What was that experience like? I mean, because for me, someone who's like I'm in my like late twenties, so. Mm-hmm. You know, having to, you know, go back and watch, like, not only having the chance to watch some of these particular players in their, you know, uh, saying the better part of their careers, but going back to watch some of their younger careers, you actually had the opportunity to play with them pretty much in their prime. Yeah. Like, what was that, what was that experience like for you as, as a, as a rookie? Oh, I think it's, you're kind of in awe a little bit, but at the same time, you're like, my job is to go out here and be better than them. <laughs> the same position so I've never been one to like be a fan like fangirl over stuff like that like at the end of the day like I'm a competitor and yeah. I'm going to prove to other people that okay you might be an Olympian or WMA champion or whatever but show that I'm better than than they are right. so it was cool because you know the all-star game it's fun and um people try to pretend like they're not there to compete but at the end of the day like you you really want to win it's always a competition. Yeah. <laughs> around them in that element where it's not as competitive and get to know some people. Um, it was it was a good experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you've had the chance to play for several different franchises. Obviously, the Sky, the Mercury and, and Fever were the, were the biggest three. But I want to, you know, ask within each one of those time periods, what, what were some of those experiences that you learned that that you often still kind of reflect on and kind of pretty much shape the person that you will become? Ah, oh, Chicago. Chicago was rough. <laughs> first four years there, obviously, um, and four years of not winning. And coming from college, and obviously we were a mid-major program that ended up being ranked like top 15 in the nation, mm-hmm. winning our conference every year, making it to the tournament, and then you go to the league and you're on the worst team in the WNBA for like four years straight. And so as a competitor, that ate like that ate away at me. I'm like, I can't stay in a losing environment. So I needed to get out. And that's how I ended up in Phoenix, which was totally different ball game. Um, obviously different group of players. And that's I think where I learned how to become a pro was when I got to Phoenix and you're playing with people like Diana Taurasi and Penny Taylor and you're watching and Diana's two years older than me, I think. Mm-hmm. Penny might be three or four, but you're watching them and their work ethic and what time they get to the gym and how late they stay and how they practice. And it's like a totally different ball game there. So I think that's probably where, like, yes, I was good and I was talented, but that's where I learned how to become a pro. Like being at the gym, get your extra shots up, put in extra work, read your scouting reports, like all of that. Um, So that was, you know, and obviously, we became, we were good enough to win a championship while I was there. Um, and then from there moved on to Indiana, which that forced me to become more of a leader. And I've always been a lead by example kind of person, but I had to communicate more because the group that I was playing with was a lot younger. So my first year in Indiana, a lot of vets, but a lot of those vets got traded, waived, whatever, by my second year. And they brought in a bunch of younger players. So now it was like kind of had to be like a player coach and coach more on the floor and lead them and guide them and try and help them grow as people, as players. Um, So that was the biggest takeaway in Indiana was I had a bigger leadership role. Absolutely. I want to ask this specific question. I mean, because this past playoffs, like just the way that Diana Taurasi played, I mean, you had a, a, a front seat up in person 
watching her do what she does in games like that. Like, yeah. I mean, what what is it? What was it or what is it about like her level of, of, of just like genius ability to just be great? There are certain players on the men's and women's side that live, eat, sleep, breathe basketball. And she's definitely one of them. Um, it doesn't matter how many injuries she has. Like, it really has to be an injury where they're like, okay, we have to shut you down. Otherwise, she's going to play hurt. Like, all of that. Very much like myself, but the mindset, like, I'm not, like, crazy, crazy, crazy over basketball. And right. she's one of those people. And that's what makes her so good and what separates her from a lot every other player in the league. Um, she's all about like the, hitting the big shot, um, taking the last shot. She hates to lose. Like she really, really, really like tear the locker room up. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's what separates her. That's what's made her good for so many years. And I know as she's gotten older, like she's learned different ways to take care of her body and nutrition and, and all of that. And that, that doesn't keep you from getting injured because the injuries are still there. Um, not everybody always knows about them. You know, you hear about it in the league, but she finds a way, you know, to, to keep pushing through. Right. Absolutely. Right. I mean, I like you know, something you mentioned when you said like being able to play around those type of, those different type caliber players only is going to make you better as a player as well. Yeah, for sure. And it definitely helped me grow as a player, you know, cause like I said, I came from Chicago and the players that I played there with were, amazing like i had a chance to to meet up with a couple of them this past week and we talked about how great it was i mean everybody hated the losing but again they were it was an expansion team so there was the culture like you're trying to figure out what the culture is it really wasn't a culture like mm -hmm. so to go from that to phoenix where it's like everybody's about their business and getting better as, as players um, it was a totally different different situation Absolutely. Absolutely right. Speaking of which, when you were in Phoenix, you also got a chance to play alongside Brittany Griner. And, you know, with that situation, obviously it's taken not only just a WNBA conversation, but really just a conversation in basketball and all of sports, period. Um, when you look at what she's going through and still being, you know, detained in, in Russia, uh, what what are your thoughts on it? But then also, like, why is it very urgent and important that she that you know she gets to come home as soon as possible, or needs to come home as soon as possible? Um, I mean, I think the situation as a whole is is crazy. Uh, we've been told not to speak too much on it because it was they, it was being viewed from a, a standpoint of the more attention we give to it and she attracts, the more Russia's like, well, why would we release her if she's such a high priority, high profile person? Right. So that's, I think, why you haven't seen or heard too much about it, um, like from the league and all that kind of stuff. But as far as I know, like her people, her agents, her lawyers, like they're trying their best. Obviously we know that um, the government here in the United States is involved. But it's a crazy situation, and the timing of it is even crazier. You know, with the whole Russia-Ukraine um, war going on, the fact that she's still over there, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you hope for the best in, in a situation like that. Um, from what I heard, they're saying that she's okay. Like, as far as 
living conditions and all of that, but it's just hearsay. You don't actually know unless you're you're over there. Right. Right. But yeah, so, and it's it's even crazier because I actually spoke to her. Um, she, we were messaging each other on Instagram. She's like, ah, oh, you need to come back to Phoenix. Da, 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 da. And it was like a week or two before she was detained. So it's crazy. Like I go back and I look at those messages and I'm like, damn, like one minute you're having a conversation mm-hmm. and laughing and hey, come back to Phoenix, this, that, and the other. And the next it's like, it's plastered all over CNN right. that she's been detained in Russia. So like I said, just hope for the best and hope she can get out of there sooner than later. Absolutely. And like I said, she's one of those players, you know, like yourself, it's better when she's playing in the game. Like oh, the game is much better when she's playing. Yeah. yeah. And just outside of basketball, like I don't even like basketball is such a small part of it. Right. Of people like we're people. And it's like, dang, like she's got her wife, she's got her family, like all of that other stuff outside of basketball. Right. That's much more important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I have to ask this. Now this switches things up a little bit. Okay. You went up against Don Staley, your <laughs> former college basketball coach. When I when I saw that, and I really went back to reflect on that, I said to myself, like, there is no way. I don't even know what I would have done to know that I'm about to go up against my my former college coach. But more than anything, to know that you had that moment and to look at the woman and the coach that she's become now just winning South Carolina second national championship. How does, how does that whole, you know, situation, how does, how, how do you pick that all in? At the time I was, I mean, when it happened, obviously I was young, what, like a rookie. Yeah. And she was playing in Houston after a long career in Charlotte. And so you're like, man, like I'm actually about to play against my college coach. And in my head, I'm like, ah, she's old. Like, but at the same time, she might be old, but she's super smart and she's savvy. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, I was more grateful that we didn't play the same position because I'm like, well, damn, I know <laughs> me, but she's going to pull some type of trick because there was stuff that she would try and teach me like, well, this is what you do when you have to guard players that are bigger than you. And this is what. So I'm like, she know she knows, knows it all. Right. So um, I was just glad we didn't say to play the same position, but you know, for history purposes, it was pretty cool to be like the first player coach um, duo to play against each other at that level. Absolutely. I mean, just even just the the level of work and success she's brought to South Carolina, you know, uh, you know, throughout this time. I mean, it's just phenomenal to watch and to know that she was once your coach. You know, oh, she's coaching other players, you know, in, in college now. I mean, I just thought that was a really, a really exciting thing. Oh, yeah. It's crazy to see how much she's grown as a coach. I mean, she was good back then. She had a lot of good – she surrounded herself with good help because she didn't have any coaching experience. Right. Um, but to look at what she did just in the short time she was at Temple and how fast – I think it took her like two years to turn the program around, if even that, um, mm-hmm. to start winning the conference and making it to the tournament – and then to go from there to South Carolina. And now she's got two national championships and been to the final four numerous times. Like it's crazy. It's it's great for her because she's excelled at every level. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me ask this. So you like I said, you've had quite the career. You you know, you've played your top five in the most games in WNBA history. Uh, you've had, you know, second behind, I want to say Dana Tarasi in terms of field goals made. When you entered college, 
like did you ever think that your career would have been this long no when i went to college i didn't even think about playing in the wba like i played when i was younger because i was good and i love playing sports um so to go to college on a scholarship it's like damn like i really just went to like i'm in college playing basketball on a scholarship and so it probably wasn't until my junior year where I was like, okay, like I can really make a career out of this and go to the next level. Like I never watched the WBA. I barely watched. We always had sports on in my house, but I was always too busy out playing, competing, whatever. Right. Um, so yeah, it wasn't until like my junior year where I was like, you know what? It's time to start taking it serious. Uh, my coach would have me do different things, like after practice, before practice, to start preparing me for that next level. Um, and who would have thought I'd be in 16 years <laughs> playing for bat professional basketball? Right. I mean, like I said, and what I've noticed now, especially we're really on the NBA side and WNBA side, it's hard to have a long and healthy career. Yeah, when I first got to the league, I don't know what it is now, but the average career span of WNBA player was like two to three years. Yeah. So when I was like eight years in, coaches were like, ah, like, you know, you, Diana, like you guys are anomalies. Nobody plays this long. Like, Sue, and now you're like, Sue is what, like 20 years in, Diana's like 18. I was at 16. Like, it's crazy to see, um, you know, players have careers that long. Right. And for younger players that are that have entered the league, or even just some of the the rising stars in the league, what advice would you give them to not only have a a, a long successful career as much as they can, but just being able to just navigate, you know, the state of the WNBA? Um, I think the biggest thing is to block out the noise. Like I said, because of social media, like people are just addicted to it, and it's all about what goes on there. So I think if you can find a way to balance that and putting in the work in the gym. So yeah, the talent is there for a lot of these kids, but it's the work ethic, the work ethic that's not. So if you can put in the work and, you know, somehow manage to balance all the other stuff and learn how to take care of your body. As a rookie, I was eating two chili cheese dogs and medium frying strawberry shake before every game. <laughs> probably better slow down with that. And with, with age, you know, as you mature and you're like, okay, I eat this stuff. My body's not feeling too good. Um, obviously you got to get in the weight room. And I think there's more emphasis on that at the, in the collegiate level. Like I didn't have a nutritionist when I was in college. Like these kids have access to everything when they're in college, especially if you're at a, a major program. Um, but I'm not saying don't have fun and kill yourself <laughs> your first couple of years in the league. Cause obviously it's, it's about growth and learning and all of that. But if you can just kind of lock in on, on the nutrition aspect, um, strength and conditioning, and just making sure you stay in shape. Cause a lot of these players don't want to go overseas. And I think it's great that they don't have to, if they have endorsement deals and, you know, branding is a lot bigger and all that is great, but you got to find a way to continue to grow your game, like bring something new to the table every single year. You can't be the same player that you were the year before. Speaking of which, we talk about, you, and you mentioned this earlier in, in the show, name, image, and likeness, the transfer portal, all of that. Uh, how different might your, say, college experience would have been if you had something like name, image, and likeness? I would have had more money in my pocket. <laughs> 
That's the simple way for sure. Like you got to look at it this way. There's players in college now that will make more money in college than they will when they get to the WNBA. And I mean, it is what it is. Like that's where these days, like, yes, the pay has increased, but that's where you still make more money than you do when you're playing. It's either that or go overseas. Right. Um, so I think like, man, if we would have had that and because of the coach that I played for, she was from Philly, like the city loved her. I would have had a crap ton of money in my pocket. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> but, you still, but you still had a great career. I mean, still respected by like everybody in terms of, of everything. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So speaking of that now, you know, and kind of getting back a little bit to somewhat of the grand situation because she because this happened overseas do you think this ultimately changes the way players view playing overseas um they moving forward um i think it'll change the way they view playing in russia yeah. russia was a, a the country to go to to get paid yeah um, they had a lot of teams now obviously that's changed over the years covid has affected a lot of stuff but russia was a place that you went to get a lot of money compared to some of these, some of the nicer countries like Spain, Italy, France. Um, so yeah, I think it'll definitely have an effect on whether or not they go there. Overseas as a whole, I'm not sure. You know, you're always gonna have players that go overseas because not everybody's privy to the branding and the endorsements. Um, they don't always get that opportunity. So it's kind of like, where else would you go unless you wanna get a regular job? Um, you go overseas and you play. Right. Absolutely right. Absolutely. If you could do your career over again, would you change anything? Um, no. Not a single thing. So everything that that every experience, every you know, tribulation, every you know, good thing, bad thing, you would keep it the same. Yeah, that's made me who I am, and helped me grow and learn and figure out. Okay. How would I have done that differently? Or, I mean, I wouldn't change it. There are things that that I look back and I'm like, you know what? Had I been more mature at that age, not, and I was extremely mature for my age, but had I known what I know now, then I probably would have made, like, I think the biggest thing is probably Chicago, demanding a trade out of there because I was like, I can't keep losing. Like, we need, they need better coaches. They need this, they need that. And, knowing what I know now, like I probably could have stuck it out because, you know, they ended up drafting like some really good players, this, that, and the other, but you don't know what you don't know at the time. Exactly. And at the time, all I knew was I wanted to win. Right. I wanted to compete and I wanted to have, you know, really good teammates and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so at the end of the day, that's the decision I made. What does it take for you to come back for another season this year? Like, what what would somebody have to tell you to say, like, hey, Candace is coming back for another season? Because right now, based off what you told me at the, at the start of the show, it's like I'm really, really happy, you know, spending time with my daughters. I am, and it's now that I'm in that mode, it's a it's really difficult to get me out of it to just you know pack up and go move and be away from them. So I don't know. I don't know. And I am not in playing shape. So I have to get back in playing shape, which <laughs> is kind of like, I enjoy not having to work out every single day. Oh, I'm sure. 
<laughs> like, I'm not a professional athlete, and I sometimes dread like I don't want to run four miles this today. I don't want to necessarily go to the gym or do this. Like, yeah. can I have a day maybe? I think about it's like one day it's strength and conditioning, mm-hmm. cardio. The next day in the gym for basketball workouts. The next day strength and conditioning, cardio. The net like it's just like it's so monotonous, and I just enjoy. I'm enjoying the freedom right now. Right. Who knows? You might see me on the TV two months from now on somebody's team. <laughs> Absolutely. Like I said, I, I, I'm happy for you that you're that you're spending time with, with your daughters, but I'm not gonna lie, if you do come back, like I'll definitely be glad. Yeah, like my mentor, he's like, I don't know why you need to get in shape because you know somebody's gonna want you on their roster. And I'm just like oh, I'm with your mentor because that's that's definitely gonna be a thing. Yeah, and I I might be like, mm, I'm good. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> no, so. for sure. For sure, for sure. I'm going to ask this. If you could list three of your top moments just within your career, it doesn't necessarily have to be the biggest moments, like, you know, of course, the championship or, you know, the all-star selections, things like that. But what would you consider your three biggest moments of your career? Well, I think the first one would have to be just getting drafted as a whole, hmm. especially – having the mindset of, well, hell, I'm not like, I'm probably not going to play in the WBA. And then to, you know, by the time you're a senior in college and it's like, damn, six pick first round. So that, that's probably number, number one for me. Um, number two would be the championship because that was the whole reason that I, I left Chicago and went to Phoenix. So to be able to, to do that. And it was crazy because we beat Chicago in the finals that year and won the third game in Chicago. So that was kind of like a full circle uh, moment for me right there. And then third has nothing to do with like stats and, and accolades and all that is my girls being old enough to see me play and sit and talk about it and, and, I have video of them like watching the TV all-star games, like cheering. So that's probably um, number three on the list, if not number one on the list for them to be old enough to remember like, Hey, like she played in the WNBA. Remember those moments. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I'm going to ask this. Does, you know, what's the relationship like with the one and now, you know, you know, with the way things panned out, like what, what is the relationship like with her now? Everything is good. I mean, obviously, she's three years younger than me. Um, she missed the WNBA season because she carried the girls. Um, so she's still, like, heavy into her playing career right now. Um, she's overseas in Turkey and calls the girls 10,000 times a day on FaceTime. And then, you know, she'll have to go to Connecticut. So at some point, they'll go to Connecticut with her to, to spend some time with her. Um, but, I mean, everything is good. Like, there's no... It's all about the girls. So. No, for sure, for sure. And that, that's the, like I said, I was just, just asking more so the fact of like, you know, did they have that relationship with hers? With- oh, yeah, no, we've got, I mean, there's, we have so many pictures. Like they have on their Bonner t-shirts, they have on their Dupree t-shirts, we've got the videos. <laughs> they spent time with her in Connecticut last year and they sit like right behind the bench of the game. So yeah, it's all, it goes both ways. Um, yeah. But like I said, she's three years younger than me. And, you know, she's kind of in her prime right now. She's playing really well. So she's trying to take advantage of that while she can. 
Right. Absolutely. And it, it, it says a lot. And when, you know, you can still have a relationship with a person, especially, you know, with with children involved that, you know, they still the children can still have that relationship with that person. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Well, I'm, a, I'm getting to some of my last questions, but I want to ask this. And this may or may not be something that you, I guess, maybe have, I guess, a answer for per se. But okay. who would you say was one of your toughest competitions? Um, that you knew that you were going to, like, bring your A game. Well, you're going to bring your A game every single time. But for sure, with this player or this particular team, like, um, so player wise, I would have to say either Candace Parker or Deladon. And it's more so like they're both extremely skilled, especially Deladon. Like you didn't see players with her size and her skill level um, in the league at the time, like when she first got to the league, other than Candace Parker. But they're hard, like they're extremely hard to guard because they're so long, they're so tall, and they're able to do what they do on the court so they're really hard to guard and i'm only six two you're talking they're like six four six five and they can handle the ball they can push it like from end to end um shoot three so those two for sure like you gotta have you gotta be able to guard in the post the perimeter um so those are probably the two two most difficult for me absolutely absolutely right but Candice, I really, really, really appreciate you for taking the time out to talk to me today. Like I said, I know you're busy. I know you're on the go. Y'all definitely spending time with those kids for sure. One is homesick today. I'm ready to beat her down. So we'll see. Oh, no. <laughs> not sick. It's what it is. Yeah, she is. So we deal with it. No, no, for sure. For sure. Well, I definitely hope she feels better. But more than anything, like I said, thank you again for coming on. And like I said, uh, you know, continue to do what you're doing as far as like, I'm, I'm just I'm just tell you up front. I definitely hope that you come back to the league because I'm not ready to see you go away yet. Like you, Diana Taurasi and, and Sue Bird, all of y'all. Like, I'm just like, no, don't go away yet. Yeah, right there. Yeah. Like this is what Sylvia Fowles, this is her last year. She said this Yeah. Like so we're closing the door, the, the, the chapter, we're moving on to the next chapter, man. Everybody that I grew up watching, I'm just like, no, that means number one, I'm getting old. But then two, it's just like everybody that I grew up watching is leaving. But no, it, it just says a lot about, you know, the changes in the game, the, the, the level of talent that you guys brought to the league. And then just the next level or the next tier of players that are that are coming in that are going to be, you know, following in you guys' footsteps. Yeah, for sure. I know I was the last man standing out of my draft class. It was me and Simone and Simone called it quits and I was like dang I'm the last one <laughs> so yeah it's nope. been it's been fun though I wouldn't change things absolutely absolutely right like I said I thank you so much for coming on to the show thank you for having me